This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. On the HBO Max sitcom Southside, the everyday absurdities of living in Chicago's Inglewood neighborhood make for hilarious fodder. The show follows an eclectic bunch that includes employees at a rent-to-own shop and a pair of bickering cops as they embark on adventures around the city, like trying to secure the latest pair of Jordans. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about Southside on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Joining us today is the host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, Brittany Luce. Welcome back, Brittany. Thank you. It's good to be here. Also with us is writer Kiana Fitzgerald. Welcome back to you too, Kiana. Thank you so much. And rounding out our panel is NPR's TV critic, Eric Deggins. Welcome, Eric. Yeah, what's up? What's up? This is going to be a fun conversation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so Southside features Sultan Salahuddin and Kareem Young as Simon and Kareem, friends and repo men at a furniture and appliance rental center in Chicago's Inglewood neighborhood. While out and about and on the job and dealing with weird, sometimes ominous customers, they're usually dreaming up some get-rich-quick side hustles that don't exactly pan out how they'd hoped. Chandra Russell and Bashir Salahuddin play Sergeant Turner and Officer Goodnight, a pair of Chicago police officers who are not exactly great at their jobs. Understatement. <laughs> the, <laughs> the large ensemble cast also includes Zuri Salahuddin as Stacy, another employee at the rental center who's got her own side hustles going on, Quincy Young as Q, their exasperated boss, and Diallo Riddle as local politician Alan Gale. Diallo Riddle, Bashir Salahuddin, and Sultan Salahuddin also created the series, and all three seasons are streaming now on HBO Max. Kiana, let's start with you. What, what can you say about this show? <laughs> What can I not say? Um, I feel like I'm so excited to talk about this because as someone who kind of dropped in when season two arrived and was able to like go back and start from the beginning and now we're into season three, I'm just enamored with this show. It's so smart. It's so funny. There are so many inside Chicago jokes that I don't get right away. But the more I watch it, the more I'm starting to understand things. And, you know, as someone who's an quote unquote outsider, it's still a, a really marvelous show and it's really well done. There are so many things I love about it. Um, the ad libs, <laughs> they're top tier. Um, the jokes kind of build on our own experiences. They just like take the show from good to great. And it's so just community driven. Like, for example, if one person in the police department clowns Sandy Goodnight, everybody clowns them. <laughs> Everybody's a part of the team, even the incorporation of real Chicagoans. I feel there is an excellent balance between trained actors and actors who are still getting their feet wet. And yeah, it's just, there are so many great, smart things about this show, and I can't wait to hear what everybody has to say about it. Yes, yes, you're here. Brittany, 
How do you feel about the show? I know you actually did an interview mm-hmm. with some of the creators of the show for It's Been a Minute. It's a great interview. People should check it out. So <laughs> I, I have a sense of how you feel, but tell us more about your thoughts about Southside. Oh, I love Southside so much. The specificity of the show, to Kiana's point, is just like, it's honestly what makes it so funny. So even in, like there are certain things that I do understand being a Black person from the Midwest, being from the Detroit area, there's a lot of overlap in some of the regional humor. But there are also some things that are just Chicago-specific things that are still outside of my purview. But yeah, like not getting it almost adds to the enjoyment Mm -hmm. of watching the series. (laughs) I love it because I came into the show during like the height of lockdown and I had heard it was good. I had heard it was funny. Uh, I knew it was on HBO Max. I wasn't really going anywhere. So me and my husband turned it on. And it was like one of the first shows in a while that we watched a lot of good TV during that time. But it was one of the first shows in a while that really made us laugh out loud, like mm-hmm. guffawing, like mm-hmm. slapping our knees, making eye contact with each other because we couldn't believe how funny it was. It brought us so much joy. It made us so happy. We would like watch one, maybe two episodes in a day when we were just trying to stretch out watching the experience of watching that first season on HBO Max. And then we've faithfully kept up with the second and third seasons. So, But also it's incredibly silly and they play a lot with genre in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of like mainstream comedy shows or comedy shows featuring white casts that have that kind of flexibility. But I'm hard pressed sometimes to think of like black comedy shows that have that level of silliness that sort of have their own world like that, that they can fully play in and, you know, break the rules of all of the time that aren't sketch comedy shows. Right. Yeah. It has a lot of the elasticity of a sketch comedy show while also being a straightforward sitcom, which I think is really cool. So I love the show. Yeah, I think Key and Peele automatically comes to mind here. And it, in a way, just because of how they always took things sort of to the nth degree. And I can see it as like you have two to three sketches in each episode, but then they're kind of drawn out and interspersed, interlocked mm-hmm. with one another in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, I completely agree that they have so much freedom, especially in these last two seasons of being able to make things even weirder and more absurd <laughs> than before. <laughs> Uh, Eric, let us know. What do you think about Southside? Uh, For me, it's kind of like if Atlanta and The Simpsons kind of teamed up, you know, it has the cultural specificity and sometimes even the creative freedom of Atlanta, but it's a joke a second almost. (laughs) And every joke is good. Like we, you know, we were talking before we started taping, I, I felt like you could drop the needle on any two minutes of the show and come up with stuff that really makes you laugh. Like every joke is super funny. And I interviewed Bashir and Diallo, the two of the three creators of the show, way back in 2019, when when Southside first debuted on Comedy Central. And at the time, they had Southside on Comedy Central, and they had uh, Sherman Showcase on IFC mm-hmm. airing on the same night. These brothers created two different shows. And, you know, my only concern is that there's a lot of cost cutting going on at uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, which ultimately owns the show. And I just hope it doesn't get lost in the mix because this is a show that's kind of flown under the critics' radar. It's flown under a lot of radars. But to me, like, it's more entertaining than a lot of shows that get way better reviews or more reviews or, or higher profile. These these cats are 
are creating their own little laboratory where they're doing this cool stuff. And you know, like Chance the Rapper comes in and does his amazing <laughs> cameos, you know, you know, everything about it is really cool. And I, you know, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, which is just 40 miles east of Chicago. So a lot of the Chicago stuff rings true. And, and what I like about that is that it humanizes people in that neighborhood in a way that few other shows do. And they can be serious about the stuff that they're facing, like the whole episode about, you know, this Robin Hood type character who steals from rent to own places and gives the furniture to four poor people. You yeah. call it the laughter. <laughs> the laughter. Yes. That's a way of talking about sort of predatory lending and predatory, you know, rent to own places in a funny way. But it's also really true. And lastly, some goofball's been stealing from the city's furniture and appliance rental stores. You got Rent Town, Our Stuff, Your Place, Rent Till You're Spent, Ikeepa, all got hit in the last week. You know, sir, I, I'm seeing a pattern here because they also got uh, Why Buy My Guy, uh, 50 Easy Payments. Like, even the names, you know, uh, Ikeepa, <laughs> you know, was one of the stores. <laughs> I just, just like everything in it was like, was like really funny. So anyway, you know, I do, I do love the show and I've been keeping my eye on these guys for a long time and they just keep, you know, excelling. I can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, I, I too came to it when it originally premiered on Comedy Central and really fell in love with it. The episode from season two, Chicago's number one party promoter, hit <laughs> so hard. So basically the premise of this is that Chicago's number one party promoter dies and they have a funeral for him. Vic Mensa, who's a you know rapper and from Chicago, he shows up at one point and they throw a party for him. And one of the things that I loved was that The Percolator, this song um, by Chicago House DJ Cashmere, who also goes by Green Velvet, that's like a central part of the episode. I remember when I was in college hearing that song all the time at all the parties. <laughs> it's time for the Percolator. And, and it's such a, it's such a specific thing, and a lot of people outside of Chicago wouldn't know that. But I love that they kind of nod to like even before Beyonce was doing it, they were not into the fact that like black people love house, and that is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about that sort of specificity, and you don't have to be from that area to really fully appreciate it, even when there there are moments where they're talking about. West Side, or they're shouting out specific streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I understand what they mean because of how they are able to deliver it. I can understand mm-hmm. when it's a bad thing or when you're getting clowned for it or mm-hmm. all those things. And so I think that's what really makes this show pop in a way. What I would love to talk about, though, is the fact that this is set in Chicago and Chicago has a reputation, whether it's worthy of this or not, of being a quote, a violent city. It's if you look think about the way the media portrays it, it's you know black on black crime, Chirac. And this show does feature two cops as some of the main characters. And I want to know kind of how you feel about the way the show handles talking about these things because it's not the central focus, but there's all these little moments where you're getting a hint of what the media thinks of Chicago and in the show they're skewering it. But I mean, how do you feel about how this show sort of handles that in a comedic sense, especially as we've been talking about the idea of like propaganda and other TV shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and how they handle policing? I think it's very um, smartly done. And by that, I mean, you know, we have Zenobia Turner, the officer who works with Goodnight. And number one, she switches her hair up like people I know and love. (laughs) 
So I adore that about the show. In mo- every, in every scene, episode. Every scene. Every scene. Every episode. Yeah. Sometimes every different scene. Different wig. Yes. Different wig. They do a good job of like relatability, um, you know, making us come to the character with some sense of like, okay, I could see this person in my community, but they don't overdo it. They're not ham-fisted about like, you know, this could be your neighborhood cop. You know, this could be the person that's patrolling your streets. It's more so like, we know that cops are not infallible. We know that cops are not always on the cusp of what needs to be addressed at the moment. So we're going to kind of play into those those moments and make some humor out of them, even though it's not always funny when you really think about it. So yeah, I think it's a nice incorporation of like, how do we look at cops in real life and the way that we see them through our own lenses? It's something that I have thought about, like, you know, why are there two police officers like who are kind of like the second tier of, you know, front characters? And, you know, how does that really represent, as you're saying, like the city of Chicago and the way that we look at police nationwide? Something I've been thinking about a lot, um, especially with the third season when there is like this girl, like an eighth grader who's like stolen somebody's car and she's in a standoff with Goodnight in the street. Um, I think she's stolen their car, their yes, cop car. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> she's in, she's in his car. Mm-hmm. Every time he takes a step towards right, her, right, right, he, right. she pulls away a little bit. She moves forward, exactly. And then she ends mm-hmm. up losing him completely. And I and he tries to throw a football <laughs> after her. Like that's gonna like, you know, smash through a window and somehow make it so that he's able to safely be able to get this car back from her. What's that supposed to do? Um, I mean, I guess I thought it would fly through the air, perfect spiral, right? Go through the window, hit her head, knock her out, and then she would woozily veer the car to the side and uh, safely collide with the tree. I don't know. They're not making these jokes without knowledge of how things work out in the real world, right? So I was like, it just feels kind of dissonant when compared to like the fairly light tone that's taken throughout the rest of the show. The other thing is that there is some sort of crime, big or small, happening in every single episode, whether it is the laughter, whether it is, um, I I remember there's like this guy who was making um, animal pelts himself out of his own home Mm -hmm. um, in another season. There are people running like different sort of like illegal hustles and drug operations. There's Fugitive Bay. Yes, yes. Fugitive oh, yeah. Bay. Exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, fu- the Fugitive that Sergeant Turner has a on again, off again relationship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And I mean, he's incredibly handsome. It's yes. pretty understandable yes. why she would get herself into a professional pickle with that. But I, the thing I keep wondering, I, as I've been turning it over in my head, I was thinking about like whether or not. The Chicago of Southside qualifies as a fantasy. The sorts of crimes that take place are things of slapstick comedy. Everything that happens on the show is somewhat based in reality, but also in this like extremely silly world that like doesn't follow real life rules of consequence. It's almost like a fantasy, utopian, but somewhat based in reality version of Chicago, then the treatment of the cops makes sense. But yeah, that's something that I have been thinking about a lot as I've been taking in the third season. I'm not sure that I have come to a completely rounded opinion on it, but I wonder if I'm applying like my real world understanding of cops to this very silly fictional version of Chicago that exists on the show. And if that's the case, are there different rules on the show um, for 
how the cops interact with the rest of the world. I don't know. What what I would say to that is, again, like I said, I grew up in Gary, which is real close to the South Side. And I'm a little older than the creators of the show, but it feels to me like, and, and Gary has its own reputation for violence and crime. And it just reminded me of the Gary that I grew up in before the war on drugs, before cops got alienated from the communities that they covered, where the cops are down, like, like you know them. <laughs> you know, like they're like they're your brother or they're your uncle or they're somebody, you know what I mean? They're not these jerks that come out that you don't know that aren't connected to the neighborhood that are just kicking everybody's butt and, and throwing them in jail, which is what started to happen during the war on drugs. It reminds me a lot more of the way cops were when I was growing up. And what's interesting to me about Southside is they're not afraid of the cops. Like that eighth grader is in his <laughs> car and she's teasing him because she's not afraid of him, which, you know, that's the main element of unreality, I think. And the other thing that doesn't seem to exist in Southside, at least in the, the new season, uh, gangs. Yeah. They've taken the the most dangerous elements of life in the Southside and kind of minimized them or excluded them in a way that allows them to have fun. And frankly, that's one reason why I like watching the show. It reminds me of uh, a community that existed, that doesn't exist anymore where I grew up. Yeah, I think what allowed me to... I don't want to say look past it, but to sort of not feel as though the show should be doing more to address those things is that unlike a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, these characters are never really considered the heroes or the people who are saving the day. Mm -hmm. They are deeply embedded in their community, but they're also often they're buffoons in a way. Like mm-hmm. everyone on this show is to some extent a, right. if not a buffoon, at least like very, very silly the fool. and ridiculous. Yeah, the fool. And so the the fact that this is not the first time that Officer Goodnight has been clowned by mm-hmm. a person on the street. This happens all the time. That's his thing. Like no one actually really <laughs> likes him. Even his wife, Kitty, <laughs> Absolutely. who is one of my favorite characters on the show, played by Rashawn Nadine Scott. She even will clown him and she's the she's a weirdo just like him. Like they're so absurd. There's a running joke because they've adopted a white child. And so there's like this <laughs> inverse of what we usually see of white people adopting black kids. And people are like, why did you adopt a white child? I, I want to play one scene actually. It was very hard to pick just one between Kitty and Officer Goodnight, where she, they're they're having a little spat over the fact that she went on away to some conference and okay. a man it's fell in love with her and wrote her a poem. Just, just the, the banter they have back and forth shows you how all over your just completely silly oh this show is and how Emily completely silly in. his character is. I'm not going to go pun for pun with you right now. Because you'd lose. And then when you also have... Turner, played by Chandra Russell, who's his partner, who's also always conning him. But also, she has her fugitive bay. She is constantly on the search for her new, I, I can't say it on NPR, but like her next friend with benefits, I guess. The, <laughs> and she's she's very bold about it. She might be trying to even arrest a suspect or, or come upon a suspect, and she'll be flirting with them. Like, that's what we're dealing with here. And I think for me... They are never really the hero. There's not really any heroes on the show to begin with, but they are definitely not the ones who, like, at the end of the day are going to save the day. In fact, often they get in the way of things Mm -hmm. (laughs) progressing right. So for me, Black people deserve to have – there's already so many narratives about Chicago, about how it's not a great place to live, that I feel – like having a place where you can kind of have this utopic 
view of things. And they skewer other things. They, the, the fact that they're all constantly hustling, it's a working class blue collar show where they're addressing in funny ways and indirect ways the fact that it's hard to live there and it's hard to, you're constantly living hand to mouth. And I think that to me is what makes the show so special and and work. This is just such a good show. If we haven't convinced you to watch it, I don't know what will, um, but you should check it out. We love it. It's, it's, it's a great show. <laughs> and if you have watched it, you should let us know what you think about Southside. You can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Kiana Fitzgerald, Eric Deggins, and Brittany Luce, thank you for being here. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Had you. Had so much fun. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Romel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. I'm Aisha Harris. We'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.